Praise the Lord. So, uh, yeah, the sharing, uh, I guess if I put a, a theme or a title, it would be Jesus Christ, the living bread. And there's three parallel passages I'd like to, to read through, but before I do that, uh, just to touch on a few of the the repeating themes that, that come out of those passages. If, if you have your Bibles, we'll be going to Nehemiah. So the themes that stuck out to me were uh, God's commanding words, God's words of commandment, idolatry, Forgiveness or salvation. I want to start with God's commanding words. In in Genesis, we have the Lord speaking creation into existence. What God says and commands happens. Whether it's creating something out of nothing or something new or even miracles. It's God's will that's yielded to and is is accomplished of what he intends. So Nehemiah 9.6 Thou, even thou art Lord alone, thou hast made heaven the heaven of heavens with all their hosts, the earth and all the things that are therein, the seas and all that is therein, and thou preservest them all, and the host of heaven worshipeth thee. Let's go to Psalm 78. Verse 15. As far as miracles, he clave the rocks in the wilderness and gave them drink as out of, a great, out of the great depths. He brought streams also out of the rock and caused waters to run down like rivers. In verse 23. Though he had commanded the clouds from heaven and opened the doors of heaven and had rained down manna upon them to eat and had given them of the corn of heaven and man did eat angels' food, he sent them meat to the full. He caused an east wind to blow in the heaven and by his power he brought in the south wind. He rained flesh also upon them as dust and feathered fowls like as the sand of the sea. It's interesting if you consider man compared to creation, how God's words are motivating, suggesting they are commandments. But I I wonder too if, if part of our being made in the image of God is that he allows us to have a will. He allows us to decide, to choose. Think even of of the miracle of healing our bodies, it's still always in the area of physical ailments, disease, accident, even raising the dead. But he doesn't seem to miraculously make people's hearts to be what he wants them to be. He doesn't touch their mind in a sense where, where their own choice is left behind. 
there are instances, we think of Pharaoh, there are instances where God seems to have moved hearts and, and put things in minds, but as a general rule, man has to choose. So then uh, God's words of commandment. So again, Psalm 78, verse 5. For he established his testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel, which he commanded our fathers, that they should make them known to their children, that the generation to come might know them, even the children which should be born, who should arise and declare them to their children, that they might set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep his commandments. It might not be as their fathers, a stubborn and rebellious generation, a generation that set not their heart aright and whose spirit was not steadfast with God. And Deuteronomy 8. My, My natural inclination is just to read. It's hard for me to stop and comment. It's I think I've been admonished and encouraged that a person who necessarily reads or even shares, not everyone receives or gets what, what that person does, and it's so it's good to to elaborate, to use pictures and uh, examples and such. So I'm working on that, but for now we're going to be mostly be reading. So Deuteronomy 8, verse 1. And all the commandments which I command thee this day shall ye observe to do, that ye may live and multiply and go in and possess the land which the Lord swear unto your fathers. Verse 5. Thou shalt also consider in thine heart that as a man chasteneth his son, so the Lord thy God chasteneth thee. Therefore thou shalt keep the commandments of the Lord thy God to walk in his ways and to fear him. Verse 11. Beware that thou forget not the Lord thy God in not keeping his commandments and his judgments and his statutes, which I command thee this day. And verse 20. As the nations which the Lord destroyed before your face, so shall ye perish, because ye would not be obedient unto the voice of the Lord your God. Nehemiah chapter 9. Nehemiah 9.13 Thou camest down also upon Mount Sinai and spakest with them from heaven and gavest them right judgments and true laws, good statutes and commandments, and madest known unto them thy holy Sabbath and commandest them precepts, statutes and laws by the hand of Moses thy servant. It's interesting, it occurred to me how in the Old Testament when God's people obeyed and they followed his instruction, how, how they had victory, how they had peace, they had blessing and prosperity. But then there were times when they were unfaithful and disobedient that God allowed bad things to come to them, struggles, death, defeat and war. There were many things that, that he allowed when his people did not honor him in keeping his commandments. Verse 
I was just reflecting, I was thinking about the laws of our land here in Canada and how if we violate a law and we're caught, how there is punishment. And the thought just occurred to me, as God blessed his people when they did obey, can you imagine in our land, let's say you got pulled over by a police officer and you were not speeding and, and he came up to you and he thanked you for not speeding and he gave you a check of two to three hundred dollars. That's what God did. He blessed his people for obeying his laws. But then the more I thought about it is we're blessed beyond monetary numbers. We're blessed by peace in our land for the most part. I'm thankful that when I come to a green light, I can proceed and I don't have to wait for a stream of traffic that are going through a red light. I'm thinking, like you think of the, the Ten Commandments, uh, you know, aside from th- being uh, feeling pressure like, oh, I shouldn't lie, I shouldn't steal, I shouldn't covet, and those things, but just the thought of, of being thankful that the people around me are obeying God's laws. I'm not being lied to, people aren't trying to steal from me. But the laws themselves, by faithfully following them, are a reward. God is good. His laws are good. So then the area of idolatry, Deuteronomy 5. Starting at verse 6. I am the Lord thy God, which brought thee out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Thou shalt not make thee any graven image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the waters beneath the earth. Thou shalt not bow down thyself to them nor serve them, for I, the Lord thy God, am a jealous God visiting the iniquities of the fathers upon the children unto the third and fourth generation of them that hate me, and showing mercy unto thousands of them that love me and keep my commandments. Nehemiah 9, verse 18. Yea, when they had made them a molten calf and said, This is thy God that brought thee out of Egypt and had wrought great provocations. Deuteronomy 8. Verse 3. And he humbled thee and suffered thee to hunger and fed thee with manna which thou knewest not, neither did thy fathers know that he might make thee know the man doth not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of the Lord doth man live. Verse 19. And it shall be, if thou do at all forget the Lord thy God and walk after other gods and serve them and worship them, I testify against you this day that ye shall surely perish. So in verse 3, says that God humbled them. He suffered them to hunger before he fed them. I believe he, he let circumstances arise that made the people see their need. But as it says, it, it humbled them. And, and it's amazing too, because the quail, 
that he gave, and even in some ways the water from the rock, what was in a sense more natural. And had God provided all his provision in a way that in, in a way could be explained away, I think the purpose of the manna would not have been accomplished. Because manna itself, from what I understand, it, it actually means what is it? They, they didn't know what it was. They had never seen it. Outside of God's provision, they would never see it again. And I believe it was meant to draw their attention. The passage says that, that they were learned to live by every word of God. The way God provided the manna was to make them look heavenward, make them look towards God. And through generations, it was to be a reminder of that. You know, in some ways, I think communion serves that for us today. It reminds us of what God has done. It reminds us who he is today, and, and it's to turn our hearts and our minds towards him. So, so those are a few, a small portion of, of the obvious forms of idolatry, considering in, in yeah, in verse 19, it, it already says that they would not forget that they should not make an image. Only the Lord had a delight in... Whoops, wrong verse. And it shall be, if thou do at all, forget the Lord thy God and walk after other gods and serve them and worship them. He knew they had a potential. They would forget. They needed reminders. To not make physical idols and to bow down to those but in in a in a more subtle way I, I believe that especially today with the affluentness of our our world our, our country how we can turn to to lesser less obvious idols in our life things that take us away from seeing God from setting our minds and our hearts on God things that distract us if you turn to Ecclesiastes 11 Verse 9. Rejoice, O young man, in thy youth, and let thy heart cheer thee in the days of thy youth, and walk in the ways of thine heart and in the sight of thine eyes. But know thou that for all these things God will bring thee into judgment. Therefore remove sorrow from thy heart and put away evil from thy flesh. I touched on this uh, a few weeks ago. But just the, the thought that that God recognizes our lives. He, he's made us with energy, with ability, with desires, and, and especially in our youth, everything is more vibrant, everything is clear, is more exhilarating. And in and of itself, those things are not wrong. They're not sin. And we can give ourselves to many things as part of God's creation and how he's made us, but never to the point of overshadowing him, of neglecting him. For he says that God will bring these into judgment. And there's many things I consider when we're, we're younger, everything from our eyes, these glasses, things tend to fade. 
you know, I think our, our sense of taste, even as people get older, they I think they add more and more sugar, they add more salt. And it's because we've over indulged and, and things are, are less vibrant. But youth is to be celebrated, but it's a sober time to not neglect things of the Lord. 1 Corinthians 10, 7. There's many things uh, that can become distracting, uh, you know, and it's not just the young. It's I, I think of myself uh, at my age now. I I think I'm more aware than is necessarily, or potentially aware than is necessarily good for me. When I was a young believer, there was uh, revival services or an open time of sharing. I would without fear or hesitation, go up. I think at one point it was, it was in front of hundreds of people. I had no fear, no self-consciousness. And as I've gotten older, for some reason, I, I second-guess and I, I consider the what-ifs too much. So there's blessing in age of learning and wisdom, and there's blessing in, in youth of zeal and vitality. That may diminish eventually. I don't think it's necessary that it does diminish, but it could. Verse 7. Neither be idolaters as some of them. As it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. Verse 23. All things are lawful for me, but all things are not expedient. All things are lawful for me, but all things edify not. I know in the context here it's about uh, meat, sacrifice to idols and so forth, but I believe it can be applied to other things. Things that are not sin are allowable, but they're not always profitable. You need to check those things, be in balance. And again, I think idolatry happens when things overpower our desire for God. Those things can become idols in our life. Isaiah 6. Verse 8. Also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? And then said I, Here am I, send me. And he said, Go and tell this people, Hear ye indeed, but understand not, and see ye indeed, but perceive not. Make the heart of this people fat, and make their ears heavy, and shut their eyes, lest they see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and understand with their heart, and convert and be healed. Then said I, Lord, how long? And he answered, Until the cities be wasted without it, Inhabitant and the houses without man and the land be utterly desolate. And the Lord have removed men far away, and there be a great forsaking in the midst of the land. But yet in it shall be a tenth, and it shall return and shall be eaten as a 
teal tree as an oak whose substance is in them. When they cast their leaves, so the holy seed shall be the substance thereof. It's in verse 10, the last part of the verse, it says to understand with their heart and convert and be healed. Be healed. So, it, so the question I posed to myself as I read this and reread this is, what's necessary for someone to convert and to be healed? Part of what's needed is understanding with our heart. Another part is to hear with our ears and to see with our eyes. We see what God is showing us, hear what he is saying, and receive and understand with our heart. We can be converted and healed. But the first part of the verse, it shows the condition that will prevent this from happening. The heart of this people, fat. What do we fill our time with? What do we indulge in? that overfills our heart. What distracts us? Make their ears heavy. What do we give our ears to? In conversation, entertainment, music. What do we give our ears to that drowns out the voice of God? And we shut our eyes, shut their eyes. What do we give our eyes to? What do we look at? And then what don't we see? What don't we see around us that God is trying to show us? What are we so enamored with and so distracted with that again we we lose sight of God, we don't hear, we don't see, and we don't understand? We need to intentionally moderate our lives and pursue God. Reading his word, praying, fellowshipping with saints, giving of service to the needy our whole lives for the Lord. Then the last section, uh, forgiveness or salvation. So again to Nehemiah 9. Verse 16. But they and our fathers dealt proudly and hardened their necks and hearkened not to thy commandments and refused to obey, neither were mindful of thy wonders, that thou didst among them but harden their necks, and in their rebellion appointed a captain and to return to their bondage. But thou art a God ready to pardon, gracious and merciful, slow to anger, and of great kindness, and forsookest them not. Yea, when they had made them a molten calf and said, This is thy God that brought thee out of Egypt, and had wrought great provocations. The Lord pardoned his people. Verse 20. Thou gavest also thy good spirit to instruct them and withheldest not thy manna from their mouth and gavest them water for their thirst. The Holy Spirit was at work in the lives of the Israelites. 
Psalm 78. Verse 21. Therefore the Lord heard this and was wroth, so a fire was kindled against Jacob, and again also, I mean, anger also came up against Israel, because they believed not in God and trusted not in his salvation. Verse 38. But he, being full of compassion, forgave their iniquity, and he destroyed them not. Yea, many a time turned he his anger away and did not stir up all his wrath. In John 1, when John the Baptist saw Jesus coming, he said, Behold the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. I think we would all have the understanding that Jesus' death on the cross was to pay for the sin of the whole world, past, present, and future. The forgiveness that God's people received in the Old Testament was upon the finished work of Christ. Without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. Hebrews 9. Verse 22. and almost all things are by the law purged with blood and without shedding of blood is no remission it was therefore necessary that the patterns of things in the heavens should be purified with these but the heavenly things themselves with better sacrifices than these for Christ has not entered into the holy places made with hands which are the figures of the true but into heaven itself now to appear in the presence of God for us. Nor yet that he should offer himself often as the high priest entereth into the holy place every year with blood of others. For then must he often have suffered since the foundation of the world. But now once in the end of the world hath he appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. And I would understand the end of the world being the apostolic or the the age of the church. Not that in a few years Christ would return, but in the, how he's been working in man through the Old Testament, that the end of the world is now the age of grace, the finished work of the cross. Verse 27, And as it is appointed unto man once to die, but after this the judgment. So Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many, and unto them that look for him shall he appear the second time, without sin, unto salvation. 1 Corinthians 10. Verse 2. And were all baptized unto Moses in the cloud and in the sea, and did all eat the same spiritual meat, and did all drink the same spiritual drink, for they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. But with many of them, God was not well pleased, for they were overthrown in the wilderness. It's interesting because Christ died. There's some, I think, churches, 
you call them that, who believe that because Christ died for all of mankind, that all men are actually saved. Whether you come in faith or not, that his work was enough that all men are saved. The scriptures do not teach that. Even the Israelites themselves, But with many of them, God was not well pleased, for they were overthrown in the wilderness. There were those, we, we think of Hebrews 11, the, the list of faithful men and women in the Old Testament. Think of Moses himself. That God did save in the Old. He saves today, but it's upon the heart. It's upon the will of the individual Full understanding may not always be there, but there's a desire and there's a reaching and there's a turning to God. And I believe that those are, are who the blood of Christ covers and who are saved. If you go to Romans 9. Verse 1. I say the truth in Christ, I lie not, my conscience also bearing me witness in the Holy Ghost that I have great heaviness and continual sorrow in my heart, for I could wish that myself were a curse from Christ for my brethren, my kinsmen, according to the flesh, who are Israelites, to whom pertaineth the adoption and the glory and the covenants and the giving of the law and the service of God and the promises, whose are the fathers and of whom, as concerning the flesh, Christ came, who is over all, God blessed forever. Amen. Not as though the word of God had taken none effect, for they are not all Israel, which are Israel. In chapter 11, it says, And so all Israel shall be saved. My understanding of that would be that not all Jews will be saved, but all Israel in the sense of those who are truly God's people. Jew and Gentile, coming by faith, trusting in Christ, the spiritual, if, if you would, Israel will be saved. But it's all of those who come by faith, who acknowledge Christ being who he claimed he was and trusting in his forgiveness of sins. They will all be saved. So back to Deuteronomy 8. all the commandments which I command thee this day ye shall observe to do that ye may live and multiply and go in and possess the land which the Lord swear unto your fathers and thou shalt remember all the ways which the Lord thy God led thee these forty years in the wilderness to humble thee and to prove thee to know what was in thine heart whether thou wouldst keep his commandments or no and he humbled thee and suffered thee to hunger and fed thee with manna which thou knewest not neither did thy fathers know that he might make thee know that man doth not live by bread only but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of the lord doth man live Thy raiment waxed not old upon thee, neither did thy foot swell these forty years. Thou shalt also consider in thine heart that as a man chasteneth his son, so the Lord thy God chasteneth thee. 
Therefore thou shalt keep the commandments of the Lord thy God to walk in his ways and to fear him. For the Lord thy God bringeth thee into a good land, a land of brooks, of water, of fountains, and depths that spring out of valleys and hills, a land of wheat and barley, and vines and fig trees and pomegranates, a land of oil, olive, and honey, a land wherein thou shalt eat bread without scarceness. Thou shalt not lack anything in it, a land whose stones are iron, and out of whose hills thou mayest dig brass. When thou hast eaten and art full, then thou shalt bless the Lord thy God for the good land which he hath given thee. Beware that thou forget not the Lord thy God in not keeping his commandments and his judgments and his statutes which I command thee this day. Lest when thou hast eaten and art full and hast built goodly houses and dwelt therein, and when thy herds and thy flocks multiply and thy silver and thy gold is multiplied and all that thou hast is multiplied, then thine heart be lifted up. Thou forget the Lord thy God, which brought thee forth out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage, who led thee through the great and terrible wilderness, wherein were fiery serpents and scorpions and drought, where there was no water, who brought thee forth water out of a rock of flint, who fed thee in the wilderness with manna, which thy fathers knew not, that he might humble thee, and that he might prove thee to do thee good at thy latter end. And thou say in thine heart, My power and the might of mine hand hath gotten me this wealth. But thou shalt remember the Lord thy God, for it is he that giveth thee power to get wealth, that he may establish his covenant which he sware unto thy fathers as it is this day. And it shall be, if thou do at all forget the Lord thy God, and walk after other gods, and serve them, and worship them, I testify against you this day that ye shall surely perish. As the nations which the Lord destroyeth before your face, so shall ye perish, because ye would not be obedient unto the voice of your God. Nehemiah 9. Verse 6. Thou, even thou, art Lord alone. Thou hast made heaven, the heaven of heavens, with all their hosts, the earth and all things that are therein, the seas and all that is therein. Thou preservest them all, and the host of heaven worshipeth thee. Thou art the Lord, the God, who didst choose Abram, and brought us him forth out of the earth of the Chaldeans, and gave us him the name of Abraham, and found us his heart faithful before thee, and made us a covenant with him to give the land of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Jebusites, and the Girgashites, to give it, I say, to his seed, and has performed thy words, for thou art righteous. And did see the affliction of our fathers in Egypt, and heardest their cry by the Red Sea, and showest signs and wonders upon Pharaoh, and on all his servants, and on all the people of his land. For thou knewest that they dealt proudly against them, so didst thou get thee a name as it is this day. And thou didst divide the sea before them, so that they went through the midst of the sea on the dry land, and their persecutors thou threwest into the deeps, as a stone into the mighty waters. Moreover, thou lettest them in the day by a cloudy pillar, and in the night by a pillar of fire, to give them light in the way wherein they should go. Thou camest down also upon Mount Sinai, and spakest with them from heaven, and gavest them right judgments and true laws, good statutes and commandments, and madest known unto them thy holy Sabbath, and commandest them precepts, statutes, and laws by the hand of Moses thy servant, and gavest them bread from heaven for their hunger, and brought us forth water for them out of the rock for their thirst, and promised them that they should go in to possess the land which thou hast sworn to give them. But they and our fathers dealt proudly and hardened their necks, and hearkened not to thy commandments. 
and refused to obey. Neither were they mindful of their wonders that thou didst among them, but hardened their necks, and in their rebellion appointed a captain to return to their bondage. But thou art a God ready to pardon, gracious and merciful, slow to anger, and of great kindness, and forsookest them not. Yea, when they had made them a molten calf and said, This is thy God that brought thee up out of Egypt and had wrought great provocations. Yet thou in thy manifold mercies forsookest them not in the wilderness. The pillar of the cloud departed not from them by day and led them in the way, neither the pillar of fire by night to show them the light and the way wherein, wherein they should go. Thou gavest also thy good spirit to instruct them and withheldest not thy manna from their mouth and gavest them water for their thirst. Yea, forty years didst thou sustain them in the wilderness so that they lacked nothing. Their clothes waxed not old and their feet swelled not. Psalm 78. Starting at verse 1. Give ear, O my people, to my law, and incline your ears to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings of old, which we have heard and known, and our fathers have told us. We will not hide them from their children, showing to the generation to come the praises of the Lord and his strength and his wonderful works that he hath done. For he established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel, which he commanded our fathers, that they should make them known to their children, that the generation to come might know them, even the children which should be born, who should arise and declare them to their children, that they might set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep his commandments. It might not be as their fathers, a stubborn and rebellious generation, a generation that set not their heart aright and whose spirit was not steadfast with God. The children of Ephraim, being armed and carrying bows, turned back in the day of battle. They kept not the covenant of God and refused to walk in his law and forgot his works and his wonders that he had showed them. See, here again is uh, in verse 8, set not their heart aright and whose spirit was not steadfast with God. And in verse 10, they refused to walk in his law. I wouldn't want to draw the line and make a list of who was saved by the blood of Christ, but it seems like there were definitely those in Israel who were not forgiven. Verse 11, And forgot his works and his wonders that he had showed them. Marvelous things did he in the sight of their fathers in the land of Egypt, in the field of Zoan. He divided the sea and caused them to pass through, and he made the waters to stand as in heap. In the daytime also he led them with a cloud, and all the night with a light of fire. He claved the rocks in the wilderness and gave them drink as out of great depths. He brought streams also out of the rock and caused waters to run down like rivers. And they sinned yet more against him by provoking the Most High in the wilderness. And they tempted God in their heart by asking meat for their lust. Yea, they spake against God. They said, Can God furnish a table in the wilderness? Behold, he smote the rock, yet the waters gushed out and the streams overflowed. Can he give bread also? Can he provide flesh for his people? Therefore the Lord heard this and was wroth. So a fire was kindled against Jacob and again and anger also came up against Israel because they believed not in God and trusted not in his salvation. Though he had commanded the clouds from above and opened the doors of heaven and rained down manna upon them and had given them of the corn of heaven, man did eat angels' food. He sent them meat to the full. It's interesting when, when Christ said, 
that the manna did not come from heaven? Like, I would love to be able to hear him preach on this passage. Um, there's a few things that, that came to my mind of possibility. It says angels' food. So it could be that, that the food Israelites received was exactly that, that angels eat. It could be in the sense that God, as he may miraculously provide for angels, he miraculously provided for Israel. And even the thought that it came from heaven in the one passage, that the, the scripture sometimes alludes to heavens as in more than one heaven. So whether it actually came directly from the dwelling place of God or it just came from above, I'm not sure. I won't speculate on those things. It's just interesting balancing this with what Christ says in, in the Apostle of John. Verse 26, he caused an east wind to blow in the heaven and by his power he brought in the south wind. He rained flesh also upon them as dust and feathered fowls like as the sand of the sea. And he let it fall in the midst of their camp round about their habitations. So they did eat and were well filled for he gave them their own desire. They were not estranged from their lust, but while their meat was yet in their mouths, the wrath of God came upon them and slew the fattest of them and smote down the chosen men of Israel. For all this they sinned still and believed not for his wondrous works. Therefore their days did he consume in vanity and their years in trouble. When he slew them, then they sought him and they returned and inquired early after God. And they remembered that God was their rock and the high God their redeemer. Nevertheless, they did flatter him with their mouth and they lied unto him with their tongues. For their heart was not right with him. Neither were they steadfast in his covenant. But he, being full of compassion, forgave their iniquity and destroyed them not. Yea, many a time turned he his anger away and did not stir up all his wrath. For he remembered that they were but flesh, a wind that passeth away and cometh not again. How oft did they provoke him in the wilderness and grieve him in the desert? Yea, they turned back and tempted God and limited the Holy One of Israel. 1 Corinthians 10. Verse 1. <clears throat> Moreover, brethren, I would not that ye should be ignorant how that all our fathers were under the cloud and all passed through the sea and were all baptized unto Moses in the cloud and in the sea and did all eat the same spiritual meat and did all drink the same spiritual drink for they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them and that rock was Christ. But with many of them God was not well pleased and for for they were overthrown in the wilderness. Now these things were our examples to the intent that we should not lust after evil things as they also lusted. Neither be ye idolaters as were some of them, as it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. Never, I mean, neither let us commit fornication as some of them committed and fell in one day three and twenty thousand. Neither let us tempt Christ as some of them also tempted and were destroyed of serpents. Neither murmur ye, as some of them also murmured, and were destroyed of the destroyer. Now all these things happened unto them for ensamples, and they are written for our admonition, 
upon whom the ends of the world are come. Wherefore, let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. Therefore hath no, there hath no temptation taken you but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape that ye may be able to bear it. Wherefore, my dearly beloved, flee from idolatry. I speak as to wise men, judge ye what I say. The cup of blessing which we bless, is it not the communion of the blood of Christ? The bread which we break, is it not the communion of the body of Christ? For we, being many, are one bread and one body, for we are all partakers of that one bread. Behold, Israel, after the flesh, are not they which eat of the sacrifice partakers of the altar? What say I then, that the idol is anything, or that which is offered in sacrifice to idols is anything? But I say that the things which the Gentiles sacrifice, they sacrifice to devils and not to God. And I will not that ye should be fellow, ye should have fellowship with devils. Ye cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of devils. Ye cannot be partakers of the Lord's table and of the table of devils. Do we provoke the Lord to jealousy? Are we stronger than he? All things are lawful for me, but all things are not expedient. All things are lawful for me, but all things edify not. Let no man seek his own, but every man another's wealth. In verse 31. Whether therefore ye eat or drink, or whatsoever ye do, do all to the glory of God. Give none offense, neither to the Jews, nor to the Gentiles, nor to the church of God. Even as I please all men in all things, not seeking my own profit, but the profit of many, that they may be saved. John 6. Verse 24. When the people therefore saw that Jesus was not there, neither his disciples, they also took shipping and came to Capernaum seeking for Jesus. And when they had found him on the other side of the sea, they said unto him, Rabbi, when camest thou hither? Jesus answered them and said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, ye seek me not because ye saw the miracle, but because ye did eat of the loaves and were filled. Turn to Philippians 3. Verse 17. Brethren, be followers together of me, and mark them which walk as ye have us for an example. For many walk, of whom I have told you often, and now tell you even weeping, that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, and whose glory is in their shame, who mind earthly things. For our conversation is in heaven, from whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall change our vile body, that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body, according to the working whereby he is able even to subdue all things unto himself. In verse 19 it says, Whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly. In John 6, the men that came looking for Christ, I think they they saw and served their bellies more as a God than they did the Lord Jesus, believing that he was God.
God come as a man. Verse 27, Labor not for the meat which perisheth, but for that meat which endureth unto everlasting life, which the Son of Man shall give unto you. For him hath the God hath God the Father sealed. So my understanding of the word sealed there was uh, I think just as in the Old Testament the manna being miraculously provided for what was an indication was a sign that God was real, he was interested in his people and that he was interacting with his people. Jesus said that the Father has sealed him. He's, he's certified, he's borne witness of by the scriptures, but the miracles that he, he performed were a sign that he was who he claimed to be. But when you think about it, the apostles later also performed miracles. That's why I believe that it was absolutely necessary for Christ to die and to be raised as a seal to show that he was the Son of God. They were all verifications of of what he claimed to be. The miracles he did, the knowledge he had, and then giving his life but taking it back up, being resurrected. Verse 28, Then said they unto him, What shall we do that we might work the works of God? Jesus answered and said unto them, This is the work of God, that ye believe on him who he hath sent. They said therefore unto him, What sign? They wanted more signs. This is unbelievable. They said therefore unto him, What sign showest thou then that we may see and believe thee? What dost thou work? Our fathers did eat manna in the desert, as it is written, and he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Then Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Moses gave you not that bread from heaven, but my Father giveth you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he which cometh down from heaven and giveth life unto the world. Then, actually we'll pause there. I, I believe Jesus' statement here, referring to the bread that did not come from heaven, was a, a statement to, to the end that that it wasn't spiritual. It was temporal. You could almost say carnal. It was practical. It was needed. But it didn't have transcending. It didn't have spiritual significance in the sense of people who ate of it were now better or closer to God. It was a sign to point them to God. But in and of itself, it really wasn't in a sense, from heaven. You know, Christ, he, uh, he says later in verse 49, your fathers did eat manna in the wilderness and are dead. It, it seemed like there were Jews who, you know, they, they looked at their ancestry, looked at the patriarchs, and they think they, 
had a sense of pride or maybe even a sense of security in who they were before God by their ancestry, where they came from, and also some of the things that their ancestors experienced. It was almost like that gave them an advantage. You know, it reminds me of, haven't heard this in a long time, but uh, the statement how children can't get to heaven on their parents' coattails, I think is how it's said. You, you picture that thought I was considering, like practically, how, how would you ever ride on your parents' coattails? But, but if you think, let's say you're in the Arctic, and it's, what, between minus 40 to 60 degrees, and your mom or dad has a wool or a fur coat, and you as a child are going to just sit on the train of that coat, but you're dressed in your summer clothes. How long are you going to last on your parents' coattails? We need each our own, as the Bible says it, a robe. Each individual receives a robe of righteousness that God gives to us upon a personal faith a personal turning of ourselves to God, he will clothe us. It's not by what church we go to. It's not what family we came from. It's not reading the scriptures, singing songs, but it's a humbling and, and a, a complete turning, a contrite heart before the Lord, a trust in receiving the life he gives, a belief and a trust that he gave his life and that it was necessary for me. It's an individual faith, an individual walk. Praise God for his church that we can walk side by side, encourage one another and so forth. But when we stand before the Lord, we will be on our own. Matthew 3, 7 to 9. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees come to his baptism, he said unto them, O generation of vipers, who hath warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bring forth therefore fruit, meat for repentance, and think not to say within yourselves, We have Abraham to our father. For I say unto you that God is able of these stones to raise up children unto Abraham. Again, our ancestry will have no bearing on our standing before the Lord. God can raise people out of his chosen people, Israel. He can raise people from heathen nations, the Gentiles. Salvation is open to absolutely everyone, but you must receive it by faith. Verse 34. In John... 
Then said they unto him, Lord, evermore give us this bread. And Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth on me shall never thirst. But I say, I said unto you that ye also have seen me and believe not, and all that the Father giveth me shall come to me, and him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. For I came down from heaven not to do mine own will, but the will of him that sent me. And this is the Father's will which hath sent me, that of all which he hath given me, I should lose nothing, but should raise it up again the last day. And this is the will of him that sent me, that every one which seeth the Son and believeth on him may have everlasting life, and I will raise him up at the last day. The Jews then murmured at him, because he said, I am the bread of life that came down from heaven. And they said, Is not this Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How is it then that he saith, I came down from heaven? Jesus therefore answered and said unto them, Murmur not among yourselves. No man can come to me except the Father which hath sent me. Draw him, and I will raise him up at the last day. And it is written in the prophets, And they shall all be taught of God. Every man therefore that hath heard and hath learned of the Father cometh unto me. Not that any man hath seen the Father, save he which is of God. He hath seen the Father. Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that believeth on me hath everlasting life. I am the bread of life. Your fathers did eat manna in the wilderness and are dead. This is the bread which cometh down from heaven, that a man may eat thereof and not die. I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If any man eat of this bread, he shall live forever. And the bread that I will give is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. The Jews therefore strove among themselves, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? And then Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except ye eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, ye have no life in you. Whoso eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood hath eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. For my flesh is meat indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. He that eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood dwelleth in me, and I in him. As the living Father hath sent me, and I live by the Father, so he he that eateth me, even he shall live by me. This is that bread which came down from heaven, not as your fathers did eat manna and are dead. He that eateth of this bread shall live forever. These things saith he in the synagogue, as he thought in Capernaum. Many, therefore, of the disciples, when they heard this, said, This is an hard saying. Who can hear it? When Jesus knew in himself that his disciples murmured at it, he said unto them, Doubt this offend you? What and if ye shall see the Son of Man ascend up where he was before? Let's turn to Acts 1. Verse 9, And when he had spoken these things, while they beheld, he was taken up, and the cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven, as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, which also said, Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner, as ye have seen him go into heaven." What and if ye shall see the Son of Man ascend up where he was before? So Christ did miracles. He died. He rose again. 
and he returned to where he came from. No man, no teacher has ever come down from heaven, let alone returned. Christ <coughs> ascending into heaven was his final seal that he was who he claimed to be. So verse 63, John 6. It is a spirit that quickeneth, the flesh profiteth nothing. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. But there are some of you that believe not. For Jesus knew from the beginning who they were that believed not and who should betray him. And he said, therefore, he said, therefore said I unto you that no man can come unto me except they were given unto him of my father. From that time, many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. Then said Jesus unto the twelve, Will ye also go away? Then Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life, and we believe that thou, and we believe and are sure that thou art that Christ, the Son of the living God. Are you glad that the Son of the living God gave his body and his blood for your sins? Have you thanked him for it? Do you love God? Have you told him? Do you show it with your life? Turn to Revelation 2. Verse 17. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. To him that overcometh will I give to eat of the hidden manna, and will give him a white stone, and in the stone a new name written, which no man knoweth, saving he that receiveth it. To him who overcometh will I give to eat of the hidden manna. It's not sure if that could be a reference to Christ, but I believe the meaning of it. If you think of man in the Old Testament, there was a lack, there was a need, there was a hunger. When we're in heaven, every area that we struggled with here and being completely consistent and faithful to God he will fill that need. We will see as we are seen. We will finally worship and serve the way I trust we desire. It will be good. We will receive a stone with a new name. I consider odd person who's not very pleased with the name their parents chose for them. It's only temporary. It'll be good enough for our sojourn here in this world. One day we will receive a name. whose significance and meaning will last for all of eternity. Praise the Lord.
I will give thanks for the table.